Book Four, Chapter Three of Camilla. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Velwest. Camilla, or A Picture of Youth by Fanny Burney. Book Four, Chapter Three. A Few Compliments. The two young ladies and Mr. Dubster left us together, and so situated that separation without assistance was impossible, looked at one another for some time in nearly equal dismay. And then Mr. Dubster, with much displeasure, exclaimed, "'Them young gentlemen are as full of mischief as an egg's full of meat!' who'd have thought of a person's going to do such a thing as this it's mortal unconvenient making me leave my workmen at this rate for i dare say they're come or coming by this time i wish i'd tied the ladder to this here rafter the sisters though equally provoked thought it necessary to make some apology for the wild behaviour of their brother oh young ladies said he formally waving his hand by way of a bow i don't in the least mean to blame you about it for you're very welcome to say as long as it's agreeable only i hope he'll come back by my dinner-time for a cold beefsteak is one or other the worst morsel i know he then kept an unremitting watch from one window to another for some passenger from whom he could claim aid but much as he had boasted of the numbers perpetually in sight he now dolorously confessed that sometimes not a soul came near the place for half a day together and as to my workmen continued he the deuce can't make em here if once they begin their knocking and hammering and then with a smirk at the idea he added i'll tell you what i'd best give a good squall at once and then if they are come i may catch em in the proviso you won't mind it young ladies this scheme was put immediately into practice but though the sisters were obliged to stop their ears from his vociferation it answered no purpose well i'll bet you what you will cried he they are all deaf however it's as well as it is for if they was to come and see me hoisted up in this cage like they'd only make a joke of it and then they'd mind me no more than a pin never again it's surprising how them young gentlemen never think of nothing if he'd served me so when i was apprentice he'd have paid pretty dear for his frolic master would have charged him half a day's work as sure as a gun soon after while looking out of the window i do think he exclaimed i see somebody it shall go hard but what i'll make em come to us he then shouted with great violence but the person crossed a stile into a field without seeing or hearing him this provoked him very seriously and turning to camilla rather indignantly he said really ma'am i wish you'd tell your brother i should take it as a favor he'd never serve me o this manner no more she hoped she said he would in future be more considerate 
"'It's a great hindrance to business, ma'am, such things, "'and it's a sheer love of mischief, too, begging pardon, "'for it's of no manner of use to him, "'no more than it is to us.' "'He then desired that if anybody should pass by again, "'they might all squall out at once, "'saying it was odds then, but they might be heard. "'Not that it's over-agreeable at the best,' added he, for if one was to stop any poor person and make em come round and look for the ladder, one could not be off giving them something. And as to any of the gentlefolks, one might beg and pray as long as one would before they'd stir a step for one. And as to any of one's acquaintance, if they was to go by, it's ten to one, but they'd only fall a-laughing. People's generally ill-natured when they sees one in jeopardy. Eugenia, already thoughtful and discomposed, now grew uneasy, lest her uncle should be surprised at her long absence. This a little appeased Mr. Dubster, who, with less resentment, said, "'So I see, then, we're all in the same quandary. However, don't mind it, young ladies. You can have no great matters to do with your time, I take it, so it does not so much signify. But a man's quite different. He looks like a fool.' as one may say, poked up in such a place as this, to be stared at by all comers and goers, only nobody happens to pass by. His lamentations now were happily interrupted by the appearance of three women and a boy, who, with baskets on their heads, were returning from the next market town. With infinite satisfaction he prepared to assail them, saying he should now have some chance to get a bit of dinner, and assuring the ladies that if they should like a little scrap for a relish, he should be very willing to send them it by their footmen. "'For it's a long while,' said he, "'young ladies, to be fasting, that's the truth of it.'" The market women now approached, and were most clamorously hailed before their own loud discourse, and the singing and whistling of the boy permitted their hearing the appeal. "'Pray, will you be so kind,' said Mr. Dubster, when he had made them stop, "'as to step round by the house and see if you can see the workmen, "'and if you can tell em a young gentleman has come here while they was at dinner, "'has taken away the ladder and left us stuck up here in the lurch?' "'The women all laughed and said it was a good merry trick.' but were preparing to follow his directions when Mr. Dubster called after the boy, who loitered behind with an encouraging nod. "'If you'll bring the ladder with you upon your shoulders, my lad, I'll give you a half-penny.' The boy was well contented, but the women, a little alarmed, turned back and said, "'And what will you give to us, master?' "'Give,' repeated he, a little embarrassed. "'Why, I'll give—why, I'll thank you kindly.' and it won't be much out of your way, for the house is only round there. "'You'll thank us kindly, will you?' said one of the women. "'It's like you may, but what will you do over and above?' Uh, "'Do? Why, it's no great matter just to stop at the house as you go by and tell them. Here Eugenia whispered she would herself satisfy them, and begged he would let them make their own terms. "'No, miss, no.' I don't like to see nobody's money fooled away no more than my own. However, as you are so generous, I'll agree with them to give them a pot of beer. 
he then with some parade made this concession but said he must see the latter before the money should be laid down a pot of beer for four a pot of beer for four they all exclaimed in a breath and down every one put her basket and sent her arms akimbo unanimously declaring they would shame him for such stinginess the most violent abuse now followed the boy imitating them and every other sentence concluded with a pot of beer for four ha camilla and eugenia both frightened besought that they might have anything and everything that could appease them but mr dubster was inflexible not to submit to imposition because of a few foul words for dear heart said he what harm will they do us they ain't of no consequence then addressing them again as to four he cried that's one over the bargain for i did not reckon the boy for nothing you didn't didn't you cried the boy Ecod, i hope i'm as good as you any day in the year you'll thank us kindly will you said one of the women to vacans and so you shall when we're fools enough to serve you a pot of beer for four we help you down we get you a ladder cried another yes forsooth if like we may no stay where you are like a toad in a hole as you be camilla and eugenia now tired of vain application to mr dubster who heard all this abuse with the most sedate unconcern advanced themselves to the window and eugenia ever foremost where money was to be given began good women when with a violent loud shout they called out what are you all in hobbs pond well they as will may let you out for we so i wish you a merry time of it eugenia began again her good women when the boy exclaimed what were you put up there for miss to frighten the crows eugenia not understanding him was once more recommencing but the first woman said i suppose you think we'll serve you for looking at no need to be paid yes yes cried the second miss may go to market with her beauty she'll not want for nothing if she shew her pretty face she need not be afeard of it however said the third for twill never be no worse only take care miss you don't catch the smallpox oh fags that would be a pity cried the boy for fear miss should be marked eugenia astonished and confounded made no further attempt but camilla though at that moment she could have inflicted any punishment upon such unprovoked assailants affected to give but little weight to what they said and gently drew her away hoity-toity cried one of the women as she moved off why miss do you walk upon your knees why my paul would make two of her said another though she's only nine years old she won't take much for cloths cried another that's one good thing i'd answer to make her a gown out of my apron said the third your apron cried another your pocket handkerchief you mean why she'd be lost in your apron and you might look half an hour before you'd find her eugenia to whom such language was utterly new was now in such visible consternation that camilla affrighted earnestly charged dubster to find any means either of menace or of reward to make them depart lock don't mind them ma'am cried he following eugenia 
they can't do you no hurt though they are rather rude i must needs confess the truth to say such things to your face but one must not expect people to be over polite so far from london however i see the sporting gentry coming round over that way yonder and i warrant they'll gallop em off hark ye mistresses them gentlemen that are coming here shall take you before the justice for affronting sir hugh tyrold's heiresses to all his fortunes the women to whom the name and generous deeds of sir hugh tyrold were familiar were now quieted and dismayed they offered some awkward apologies of not guessing such young ladies could be posted up in such a place and hoped it would be no detriment to them at the ensuing christmas when the good baronet gave away beef and beer but mr dubster pompously ordered them to make off saying he would not accept the latter from them now for the gentry that were coming would get it for nothing so troop off cried he and as for you to the boy you should have your jacket well trimmed i promise you i know who you are well enough and i'll tell your master of you as sure as you're alive away then with complete though not well principled repentance they all marched mr dubster turning round with exultation cried i only said that to frighten them for i never seen em before as i know of but i don't mind em of a rush i hope you don't neither though i can't pretend it's over agreeable being made fun of if i see anybody snigger at me i always ask em what it's for for i'd as leave as they'd let it alone eugenia who as there was no seat had sunk upon the floor for rest and for refuge remained silent and seemed almost petrified while camilla affectionately leaning over her began talking upon other subjects in hopes to dissipate a shock she was ashamed to console she made no reply no comment but sighed deeply luck cried mr dubster what's the matter with the young lady i hope she don't go for to take to heart what them old women says she'll be never the worse to look at because of their impudence besides frettin does no good to nothin if you only come and stand here where i do miss you may have a peep at ever so many dogs and all the gentlemen ridin helter-skelter round that hill it's a pretty sight enough for them as has nothin better to mind i dunno but i might make one among them myself now and then if it was not for the expensiveness of hiring a horse here some of the party came galloping towards them and mr dubster made so loud an outcry that two or three of the sportsmen looked up and one of them riding close to the summer-house perceived the two young ladies and instantly dismounting fastened his horse to a tree and contrived to scramble up into the little unfinished building camilla then saw it was major sirwood she explained to him the mischievous frolic of her brother and accepted his offered services to find the ladder and the carriage eugenia meanwhile rose and curtsied in answer to his enquiries after her health and then gravely fixing her eyes upon the ground took no further notice of him the object of the major was not eugenia her taciturnity therefore did not affect him but pleased to be shut up with camilla he soon found out that though to mount had been easy to descend would be difficult 
and after various mock efforts pronounced it would be necessary to wait till some assistance arrived from below adding young mr tyrold would soon return as he had seen him in the hunt camilla whose concern now was all for her sister heard this with indifference but mr dubster lost all patience so here said he i may stay and let tom hicks eat up all my dinner for i can't expect him to fast because of this young gentleman's comical tricks i've half a mind to give a jump down myself and go look for the ladder only i'm not over light besides if one should break one's leg it's but a hard thing upon a man to be a cripple in the middle of life it's no such great hindrance to a lady so i don't say it out of disrespect because ladies can't do much at the best the major finding dubster was his host thought it necessary to take some notice of him and ask him if he never rode out why no not much of that sir he answered for when a man's not over used to riding one's apt to get a bad tumble sometimes i believe it's as well let alone i never see as there was much wit in breaking one's neck before one's time besides half them gentlemen are no better than sharpers begging pardon for all they look as if they could knock one down how do you mean sharpers sir why they don't pay every one his own not one in ten of em and they're as proud as lucifer if i was to go among them to-morrow i'll lay a wager they'd take no notice of me unless i was to ask them to dinner and a man may soon eat up his substance if he's so over-complacent surely major cried camilla my brother cannot be much longer before he joins us remembers us rather who else could desert or forget you cried the major it's a moot point whether he'll come or no i see that said mr dubster quite enraged them young squires never know what to do for their fun i must needs say i think it's pity but what he'd brought up to some callin twould have steadied him a little i warrant he don't seem to know much of the troubles of life a shower of rain now revived his hopes that the fear of being wet might bring him back not considering how little sportsmen regard wet jackets however continued he it's really a piece of good luck that he was not taken with a fancy to leave us upon my island and then we might all have been soused by this here rain and he could just as well have walked off with my bridge as with the ladder here to his inexpressible relief lionel from the road hailed them and camilla with emotion the most violent perceived edgar was by his side mr dubster however angry as well as glad very solemnly said i wonder sir what you think my workmen have been doing all this time with nobody to look after em besides that i promised a pot of beer to a lad to wheel me away all that rubbish i'd cut out of my grotto and it's a good half day's work do it who will and ten to one if they'd stirred a nail all left to themselves so fofo man you've been too happy i hope to trouble your mind about business how do do my little girls how you have been entertained this is a better joke to you than to us squire but pray sir begging pardon how came you to forget what i told you about the globe i know very well that they say it's quite alley mode to make fun but i can't pretend 
as I'm over fond of the custom. He then desired that, at least, if he would not get the ladder himself, he would tell that other gentleman that was with him what he had done with it. Edgar, having met Lionel and heard from him how and where he had left his sisters, had impatiently ridden with him to their relief, but when he saw that the Major made one in the little party, and that he was standing by Camilla, he felt hurt and amazed, and proceeded no farther. Camilla believed herself careless of his opinion, what she had heard from Miss Margland of his professed indifference gave her now as much resentment as at first it had caused her grief. She thought such a declaration an unprovoked indignity. She deigned not even to look at him, resolved for ever to avoid him, yet to prove herself at the same time unmortified and disengaged, talk cheerfully with the Major. Lionel, now producing the ladder, ran up it to help his sisters to descend, and Edgar, dismounting, could not resist entering the grounds to offer them his hand as they came down. Eugenia was first assisted, for Camilla talked on with the Major as if not hearing she was called, and Mr. Dubster, his complacence wholly worn out, next followed, bowing low to everyone separately, and begging pardon, but saying he could really afford to waste no more time without going to give a little look after his workmen to see if they were alive or dead. At this time the horse of the Major, by some accident breaking loose, his master was forced to run down, and Lionel scampered after to assist him. Camilla remained alone. Edgar, slowly mounting the ladder, gravely offered his services, but hastily leaning out of the window, she pretended to be too much occupied in watching the motions of the Major and his horse to hear or attend to anything else. A sigh now tore the heart of Edgar, from doubt if this were preference to the major or the first dawn of incipient coquetry, but he called not upon her again. He stood quietly behind till the horse was seized, and the major reascended the ladder. They then stood at each side of it with offers of assistance. This appeared to Camilla a fortunate moment for making a spirited display of her indifference she gave her hand to the major and slightly curtsying to edgar as she passed was conducted to the carriage of her uncle lionel again was the only one who spoke in the short route to etherington whence eugenia without alighting returned to cleves End of chapter three